nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Uh, I'll be your host tonight, Harry. Uh, with me tonight is Rafa. Good evening. Good evening, Harry. See, everybody's got you, you got no Club America flag behind you still? Uh, that'll probably be in the next week when they play. Cruz will still knock them off. And then so we got uh, Royce ready. with the SAFC flag behind him. How are you uh, with the sporting the, the USA? Yeah, we'll see uh, what happens with the U23 tournament, but it's been interesting so far. Hey, 2-0. And then uh, Danielle's making a return, uh, you know, guest, host. I'm not sure what to call you. I know you've hit the big time with uh, protagonist soccer and enjoying what you're doing with them uh, for out here. Uh, for out here. How are you? I'm busy. <laughs> I'm so busy. I'm like, this is probably the only night this week that I could have uh, hopped on. So I'm glad it all worked out. So, yes, you came out with some news today uh, for Copa Tejas. Uh, if you want to go ahead and um, explain what Copa Tejas has now developed into, it's grown. <laughs> so we are a derby round robin in season. It's not a separate tournament. So it's based on head to head in-season um, standings. And so we have been in the USL Championship representing San Antonio FC, Austin Bold, El Paso Locomotive, and RGV Toros. And all of their supporters groups have come together um, to award a trophy at the end of the season. Well, now that Austin FC has joined the MLS and we have three MLS teams here in, <laughs> I know Royce, I'm not going to ask for comments on, on some of it, but um, now that they've joined, we have three Texas teams. So Steve and I just, we were talking about, hey, Steve and I just tend to just talk and kind of like, oh, what about this? What about that? And then things start to just happen and we're like, well, you know, I'm sure they already have something. They already have a derby name. And we're like, you know, we don't want to have any regrets. We don't want to have any regrets about not reaching out and contacting them. Um, so three weeks, a month ago, I don't even know. I feel like I'm in this, like, time warp black hole. Um, we just started talking to supporters groups with FC Dallas, um, Houston Dynamo, and Austin FC. And... Um, we've had multiple Zoom meetings and calls, and um, there's a whole Discord. I don't even know what I'm doing in there, but I'm in there typing away. Um, <laughs> and so it just kind of organically happened, and they're going to have their own Copa Teja. So they're going to have their own bracket and their own ranking. And so 
Um, the USL will have their own and then MLS will have their own. And then Copa Tejas is kind of like that parent umbrella organization, but no one else is doing anything like this. No one else. Co Cascadia Cup has the MLS teams, but no one is embracing both leagues and doing a derby like this. And so only in Texas, biggest derbies, biggest everything. I'm gonna say the USL Cascadia Cup would be called a uh, third plate or uh, third from last. Right, well, right. Well, I think Tacoma has won that since uh, Vancouver folded. Yep. Timbers folded. Uh, right. Well, Timbers too still there. Anyway, no, they folded yeah. this year. That's yeah, awesome they're, news. They're they gonna go to ML, well, they're supposed to be going to the MLS U22 League Reserve League that was supposed to start this year and. I think it, you know, COVID, so it's probably pushed, you know, like uh, all the big soccer news is probably to next year uh, for that here. So, but yeah, so the Cascadia Cup at the USL level four years ago, five years ago would have probably been awesome, but uh, not know. happening. So we're just going to come and take over the world. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're excited because there's so much potential, there's so much possibility. Um, you know, there's so much learning too. I mean, Dallas's supporters groups have been around for a while and there's just so much mm -hmm. knowledge and information and things that they've gone through and been through. And I'm like, I want to tap into that. I want to learn that. And I've been able to talk with um, the representative for the Timbers Army about their Cascadia Cup. And so I'm learning about I'm learning more about supporters culture than I ever knew existed. And <laughs> um, we've been able to talk to the folks at the ISC who... Um, it's sort of the governing, not quite governing body, but it's maybe a union for supporters groups. And so they've just been really supportive in, in coaching us and giving us tips and information because it's a whole different USL and MLS, two whole different beasts. Harry, Harry, Harry tweets about that on a regular basis, I think. Um, but I expressed my concerns to you guys when, when the news came out. I was happy for it, but I won't lie, being USL – and then seeing MLS on it, it. I wish there would have been a different wording than Division One, Division Two. Um, that's my only concern. That was the only thing that I didn't like about it. I like the idea, and like I said here, I think for Copa Teos, I think it's awesome. I think as a fan of one of the clubs in, in USL, my worry is that the MLS clubs, it, you know. Because they get more starlight on them, more light on them, you know, more media, more coverage, that it's going to overshadow what we've been building, you know, for the last two years uh, with with the USL. But I know with you, you know, you in charge and um, Steve, you know, your, your roots are here in San Antonio, so I, I do know that. But it's just you've seen when MLS gets involved, and you know that that's my only hesitancy for it, but. Um, like I said, I know the surge, I know Las Verdes, you know, you know, great, you know, I talk with third degree quite a bit, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the, in the podcast, you know, you know, between, you know, between them, you know, fan wise and supporter group wise, I think it's awesome. Just to me, when you bring MLS into it, it brings in a giant elephant. So there's a couple of things that we did strategically. Number one, Steve and I will hash things out and really think through things and talk through things analytically. So this, we had a lot of care and deliberation before we made any move. Mm 
Um, and, you know, at any point we were kind of ready to say, nope, <laughs> this this is not the direction we want to go. And this doesn't align with the beliefs of what Copa Tejas is, what our brand is and our integrity. Um, we still are going to plan on being involved in, in some of the decision-making process, not all of it. There's definitely different areas and different breakdowns. And there's a whole, there's going to be hours of conversation of, of, of where all of that lies. Um, and we literally just announced it because, you know, obviously season schedules are coming out and that's all everyone's going to talk about. So we wanted to make sure we were ahead of that. Um, and so it's just the announcement. There's still a lot of development. Mm -hmm. um, one big thing, especially going now having MLS, we need to be a little more sensitive to, we can't just say the MLS teams because, Oh, they're going to come in and I'm sure we're going to get like some sort of cease and desist and you can't use our name to promote your trophy. So we, don't have what the the name is going to be or the differentiation division one and division two is kind of the only way that we've gone right now um, to manage that. Um, and just to tiptoe on our, on our tightrope. I don't need to get, Harry, I get in trouble for so much and, and, and I'm sure I'm going to tweet. Something. And I don't mean to get you in trouble. But it's just okay. But um, we really, we just, we're, that's part of the reason why, so number one, it's our, the name Copateos is already trademarked. So right. Steve and I manage that. So no one can use it. No one can monetize it without our permission. So from day one, we saw what happened with Cascadia Cup. We did not want, I don't want to have a legal battle over something that's supposed to be about tailgating and beer and fun and, and yeah. friendly rivalries. So that's already removed that. And when you're talking money, that's all anyone cares about. So now that we've kind of removed that, um, and we made sure that we're working with the supporters groups. Mm -hmm. So we're not working with front offices and negotiating with them. We're not working with MLS. This is all supporters driven. And as we saw today, it's the supporters groups that were tweeting it. It's the supporters groups that are designing stuff. They're going to have their voice on, you know, kind of how they brand themselves and package it and, and what it looks like. And I'm sure they're going to have some fun, different things that mm -hmm. they're going to want to do. Um, and I know one of the things they talk about is charity. So I know there's awesome. going to be a charity aspect to it. And so giving back um, what that looks like, again, early conversations, early <laughs> conversations. Um, well, I know there's a lot of smart brains and backgrounds in, I know like in Las Verdes, I know in the surge, I, I don't know that much with the mm -hmm. Dallas, but I know uh, I've started interacting with them and, and they're pretty good. Um, Daniel's got to go here fairly quickly here, but Rafa, Royce, any questions you guys yeah. have? Can I give a quick suggestion? So, yeah. so it's Copa Tejas for USL. Can we have Copa Tejas, but instead of like a cup, do uh -huh. a golden triangle because you have, you know, Austin, Dallas, Houston, that's the golden triangle. Yes. So do a golden triangle as a trophy. Just suggest. We have the hashtag in the Discord channel. <laughs> I will make sure that I put that in there. Um, no, but I like it. We are people are just throwing like ideas left and right, and that's where the best things come from. These mm -hmm. are fans and supporters and people like you who are open to the dialogue and just sharing the information. So um, we're very excited about that. I am so my goal and what I'm working towards every single like minute I'm thinking about Copa Tejas is I ultimately to want to get a women's team involved. And so yeah. I know UWS now has that elite level. That's going to be the official division two 
um, women's approved by the USSF, US soccer. Um, and so I would love to bring that in. I would love to bring in USL women. So if all of our Copa Tejas um, USL championship teams, um, it'd be awesome to have it represented. And then, so my long-term goal, and I, I'm also going to try to figure out how to do this. We're going to bring NWSL in. But one of the cool things that this, I'm going to throw this little tantalizing tidbit out there is the coolest part about this is I would love to see, you know, the winners, you know, USL and MLS, you know, do something in a preseason in their mm -hmm. Copita next year. But what would be really cool too is to do some sort of a supporter shield where we can take all of the teams, line them up, and it's just one big ranking. And so your USL teams can get their their revenge and um, you know, they can truly have that competition to see who is the best in Texas. Um, and this way I can bring the dash in and we can have, you know, women's men's in division one and division two and see out of your regular season record based on your average, you know, points and, and all of that smarter people, I, I can guarantee I'm going to have tweets, um, with people telling me the math for it. I'm not that person, but how cool would that be? to truly see like USL versus MLS, not in a Lamar hunt open cup. Like there's just so many opportunities and possibilities like that. We couldn't pass this up. Like, and I think you're seeing the door open this year, even in a COVID year with the, what, La Copetita or whatever that it is. Uh, you know, I have to think that's possibly going to get expanded or I'm hoping that it'll get expanded in the future, but. I said uh, 10, 15 minutes. We're at uh, about 14 minutes. So, Any last questions? Rafa hasn't had his turn. I'm excited. It's, it's going to be fun. You'll see how the excitement is going to be winning those trophies this year. So San Antonio better bring her A game. Right? I, I mean, I, I'm representing all of Copa Tejas now, all seven cities. <laughs> But you can say San Antonio is your home. That's fine. I live in San Antonio, and I would love to be in a stadium and see them win and lift the trophy. So um, hopefully we have the team to do that. And the whispers and the, the little clips I'm seeing, it looks good, and um, I'm excited. I'm going to let you guys pass I'm sure you've got, you know, pre-season. <laughs> We're moving games. on to Rafa's high school final yes. rankings, yes. which yes. Yes. is going to burn down the house here. Okay, uh, so, uh, me, Harry, and Royce – Lift the trophy first before everybody else if we do win. Yeah. <laughs> Just rush the field. Just rush the field and it's all good. Danielle's paying for bail, but you just heard that. <laughs> <laughs> there will be the Copa Tejas bail fund. Uh, <laughs> that's what the charity is. The Copa Tejas go fund. It's a, hey, we have a bail fund. <laughs> all right. Guys, have fun. I miss seeing you and talking soccer. Enjoy hey, but we are going to have to follow up on the the UWS NISA fallout here, and I'm sure you and Dan with Protagonist Soccer may uh, oh, have that. But that, that that is a developing story. We'll just leave it at that and let you let you get out the door. I will nice. just say, not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> All right, bye guys. See you guys later. Bye, Daniel. All right, Rafa. It's now you now you're the uh, star of the. Uh, <laughs> start of the show here, but uh, I am excited for Copa Teos, you know, like I said here, I do think it is exciting that you're going to have, you know, have 
um, a Division One or a Division Two, and I understand trying to be protective of of saying league names and, and stuff like that here. Um, I still do, you know, just when you, when you come to that league above us, that uh, there's been many cases where things start out grassroots and develop elsewhere. We'll we'll, we'll just leave it at that. But uh, I know Danielle and Steve will do their best, and and I know it is supporter driven. You know, just talk, you know, speaking with Los Verdes and 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 uh, well, the, Anthem, the Guardians and the Tushin Army. Yeah. So and there's what I think seven or, or no, there's two for. Las Verdes and Anthem for Austin. Right. Uh, Dallas uh, Beer Gardens, and I forget who the other one. Yeah, the Beer Gardeners and uh, the Guardian, oh, or the the Beer Guardians, and then and, uh, yeah, and then Houston. I think had three Tish of them. Army. Yeah, Teshin Army, like black and orange, and, and then the Surge. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. When I was there, it was just Teshin Army, but that was when they first started. 2012? So, Rafa. We're gonna start out. We're, we're gonna start with the. We're we're gonna do the four A boys. Uh, so this is kind of a combination of the taps, which their season's uh, over, and then the four A team. So I want to kind of focus more on the four A four A boys that are still playing. But your final top ten, uh, TMI number one, shirts John Paul the second number two. Bernie at number three, Central Catholic at four, uh, Fredericksburg at five, Pleasanton at six, Lavernia seven, San Antonio Christian at eight, Somerset at nine, and Canyon Lake at ten. So the only ones that are not, uh, you know, the, you know, so the top four, three of them were the t you know Taps teams. Bernie would be your you know number one ranked as far as public schools here for that, followed up by. Fredericksburg and Pleasanton. So, talk about your final thoughts on the four A boys before we hit the the second season of twenty twenty one. Well, congratulations to TMI. They won another state title, so you know, so they had another great season. So they got the top spot. Uh, but like I mentioned, Bernie Bernie's a favorite, which we'll talk about more on Wednesday. Um, they're the favorite for Region 4, for 4A. Uh, so maybe they can match TMI, and we'll see. Maybe we'll – there might be a switch depending who, who Bernie beats. And then, like I said, uh, uh, going back to Shirts, John Paul II, uh, they lost a heartbreaker in the final, and Central Catholic was eliminated in the semifinals. And then you have do have Fredericksburg uh, in the playoffs. I think the, you know, they, they could make a good run too. And, you know, we could see a showdown between them and Bernie. Uh, Pleasanton in the playoffs. Same thing with Lavernia. Uh, San Antonio Christian, their season's over uh, for taps. And then we have Somerset and Canyon Lake also. See if they can make a run also in the go deep in the playoffs this coming, you know, this, this in the next few weeks. So moving over to the ladies, uh, the 4A girls, search John Paul uh, II. Antonian as uh, second, Bernie third, uh, uh, Bernie Geneva a fourth, Uvalde fifth, Lavernia sixth, Fredericksburg seventh, Canyon Lake, Pleasanton, and rounding out Somerset. So to me, you know, like I said, shirts John Paul, you know, uh, first and second in both the boys and the girls. Um, you got Bernie, uh, you know, as, as the top public school. 
um, on the on the girls' side with Yavaldi and Lavernia uh, nipping at their heels at uh, five and six uh, for that here. So thoughts on the four A ladies? Uh, well, shirts, John Paul, the ladies, they fell also in the final. They had a heartbreaker, one zero loss. Antonia did lose, I think, in the I think in the fourth round of the playoffs. Uh, I think St. Ursuline took the Taps trophy for the for the six A. Uh, Bernie girls, they're the they're also the favorite for four A uh, public except with the public schools. I know they made a run a couple of years ago. I think they'll be my favorite to win re region four. Uh, but you also have other contenders like Uvalde, Lavernia. Uh, Fredericksburg. I mean, they're in the same district with Bernie. Uh, same thing with Canyon Lake. So they may they could have some good runs. Something with, and then you have other new new some new teams like Pleasanton and Somerset coming into the top ten. Like I said, they'll be entering the playoffs, which we'll discuss more on Wednesday. Moving over to well, we're going to stay with the ladies and do five A uh, girls here. Uh, Bernie champion number one is going to finish the year. Uh, uh, as Rafa's top-ranked team, Jefferson, number two, Southwest, three, Alamo Heights, four, New Braunfels Canyon, Medina Valley, Burbank, Harlandale, Breckenridge, and Edison rounds out your your uh, you know top ten. And as uh, Rafa mentioned on Wednesday, we're going to have uh, Coach Canoe uh, or, you know, come on, and we're going to try to go over the playoff brackets from 4A, 5A, 6A. And, and kind of give a, a good detailed uh, of what we think will happen, as well as we're trying to see if we can recruit some other uh, high school soccer uh, sites uh, in the state of Texas to come on. But uh, for the 5A girls, uh, thoughts on the rankings here? Uh, well, Bernie surged up to the top spot. Like I said, they were had, had a little slow start, but they finished strong. Uh, kudos to the Jefferson girls. Like I said, they went undefeated in district play. Um, Southwest, if won their district championship. Alamo Heights faltered just a little bit, but like I said, I think they'll bounce back. Um, same thing with New Braunfels Canyon. Uh, Medina Valley, like I said, they made also a strong surge, finishing second in their district. Uh, same thing with Burbank. Like I said, Burbank. Uh, Harlandale finished third in their district. Uh, Brackenridge was third, and also Edison was fourth. So you got those are all the teams. That are, most of the, most of the four A teams, uh, excuse me, most of the five A girls teams, they're going to be representing San Antonio, the World San Antonio area for the playoffs. Um, as far as like I said, predictions, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about that Wednesday. But you have some contenders here. Like you said, you're looking at Bernie Champion, Jeff, Southwest, Alamo Heights, Brafos Canyon. I think they could go make deep runs into the playoffs. So I guess we'll discuss that more on Wednesday with those matchups. Moving over to the boys, uh, my team Southwest, uh, who uh, we'll talk about this on Wednesday, but uh, already the chatter is is uh, second round. Uh, they face a tough match, uh, you know, uh, for that here. Lanier at number two, Nebronville Canyon number three, Alamo Heights, who could be the possible uh, second uh, second round player uh, opponent for Southwest. Bernie Champion, Edison, Jefferson, Harlandale, Brackenridge, and Medina Valley round out the top 10 uh, for that here. So thoughts on the 5A boys? Well, Southwest, they went, they went wire to wire to num on number one. But now the record's starting this Thursday, 0-0. Zero zero. <laughs> you, know, you either win or you go home. And 
and we'll we'll see how far they'll go into it. Like I said, there could be a second round showdown with Alamo Heights or even Georgetown Eastview, which I'm not sure we'll get more into details with that. But I do want to send a congratulations to the Lanier boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won the their district championship for the first time since 1985. Oh, nice! So congratulations to them for the hard work. You know, wow. to the coaches. Yeah, hard work. You know, you know, hard work. You know, all the hard work they do paid off. Um, Breakfast Canyon finished strong. Like I said, they they got the second seed in that thing in their district. Elmo Heights finished the third seed. They got a tough first round matchup, which we'll discuss. Uh, Bernie Champion was able to get that last spot for the playoffs. Uh, Edison, you know, bouncing off, not winning any non-district games. They finished in second place in the district. So kudos to them. Uh, Jefferson, that'll be another another sleeper team. They finished third in their district. Then we have Harlandale. Uh, I think they were runner-up to Southwest. And then you have Brackenridge that got the final spot, playoff spot for 27-6A and then Medina Valley. Another one, uh, they got the third. I think they got their fourth spot for the playoffs coming up. So, uh, contenders, you got you got a couple contenders here, but you know we've already kind of been looking a little bit of some of the brackets. It's gonna be, it's gonna. Some teams are gonna have it rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to bring their A game. Either you're a contender or you're, you're just a pretender. So, you know, we'll discuss more of that. Like I said on Wednesday. So six A boys, uh, Clemens uh, still number one, uh, followed by Lee, uh, Harlan, Smithson Valley, Reagan, Churchill, Warren, Johnson, O'Connor, and New Braunfels. And to me, the top six, and you could probably even toss Warren into there. But to me, the top six, you know, are going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. Uh, you know, when 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 it comes to that, but uh, your thoughts on the rankings um, where you can probably see the three division winners or you mm-hmm. know, division winners because of no losses, but uh, looking at the teams nipping on their heels, there's not a huge difference in records. No, like I said, Clemens, like I said, they finished undefeated. Um, not only in the regular season, but also in district play. Uh, they could end up playing – the number two team in the third round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I know me and you have discussed as far as playoff bracketing, uh, that could be kind of considered the, the, the group of death. Uh, yeah. Path. You're looking at that one. Yeah. The group of death path to the, to the regional regional tournament. Um, Harlan, uh, great season for them. Uh, I know they played a warm up game with Reagan, which I'm going to talk about Reagan in a bit. Uh, they lost to the one zero, but I think they have a, a, a really good chance of getting to that regional tournament. You know, they're on the kind of like the, they're going to go through the Valley, uh, the Rado, the Valley section of, of the tournament. Uh, Simpson Valley is another, another contender. Uh, they're going to go up against Churchill. So you got a four and six going up against each other. Uh, Reagan, uh, they're peaking at the right time. They were struggling in the beginning and all of a sudden they've turned on the Jets don't fall asleep with this team. This I think they're a very dangerous team, and whoever they're playing in the first round, and even the second round, you need to look out for that. I wouldn't be surprised if Reagan can get to the third or even in the fourth round. Uh, Churchill, same thing with them. Like I said, you know, I know they had a little tough couple of the last couple games, but 
I think they're battle tested. I think they, they can give a run on the money for any of those teams in District 25 or 26A up in the Austin area. Uh, Warren finished runner up. Um, so I, like I said, I think they have a good shot coming out from that valley, you know, from that valley bracket. Uh, Johnson, uh, I think they're actually going to go up against, uh, I think, Clemens in the first round. So uh, they got a tall task for that, but that doesn't mean they can't win that game. O'Connor. Uh, I think they finished fourth in their district, and I think they got a showdown with Laredo United, who was fit, uh, one, co-shared the district title for 36A. And then you have New Braunfels, you know, coming in. I think they're going to go up against. Um, I think they I think they have Reagan on the on the first round. So, like you mentioned, we got about five or I guess, well, six, seven teams that we could see in the going regional. Deep. Yeah, going deep. And there's always a few surprises, as we've seen in the uh, uh, NCAA basketball tournament this week. There's always going to be a few surprises that pop up that nobody is on anybody's radar. Yeah, so, we could have that Abilene Christian. <laughs> uh, I think they went down today, but Oral Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts yeah. still, still going strong up in Tulsa. Uh, six A girls. Uh, you got Smithson Valley, uh, finished the year number one. Reagan, Brennan, Clark, Steele. O'Connor, Madison, Taft, Clemens, and Johnson uh, round out the, the top 10 there. Um, so talk to me, you know, and we've talked about the 6A girls has been very, very deep with the talent, with very deep with the fluctuation on the rankings. So, uh, you know, and I think that kind of shows on, on the records where, you know, there's, you can see some really good teams, but there are some teams that unfortunately – you know, do have some, you know, battle tested scars, we'll just say here. So how are the, you know, San Antonio area 6A girls looking heading into the uh, playoffs? I think all 10 teams could do some damage. Uh, and, that, and that just shows how much talent we have here in San Antonio when it comes to high school soccer. You know, with Brennan, O'Connor, and Taft going through the valley, um, uh, you know, the San Laredo Valley uh, brackets, you know, they could, you know, we could see one or both get into the regional semifinals and face, you know, uh, have an all San Antonio <laughs> final four for the region. That's, um, like I, I think, like I said, I can see Clint Brennan making that run. Uh, we may see an O'Connor Taft third round game. Um, some of the brackets on there. Uh, Swinson Valley, like I said, I think they're they have a shot, you know, winning it. You know, I know the favorite for region region four is is Lake Travis up from Austin, mm. but you know they haven't. I don't know if they're battle tested as, as as these teams are because you know a lot of these districts were just basically a playoff game every you know in each game. So we have a lot of favorites here. But, you know, we can see Reagan going into the regional finals, Clark, uh, Steele, you know, Clemens, Madison. So it's going to be open. And like I said, it's like with the NCAA tournament, you know, can't count your chickens, you know. But, you you know, we're going to we're going to we may see some surprises by the time we get to the, you know, the region four, uh final four. And on Wednesday, you know, as Ross, Ross has mentioned, we're going to host a kind of bracketology for the UIL soccer uh, for both the men or for the girls and the boys, um, 4A, 5A, 6A. Um, it'll probably start around 7. 
uh, we're still trying to, you know, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, get one more commitment, maybe two, uh, to join on that. But you know, once the final brackets are released, uh, we're going to try to go through and talk about, you know, not only the San Antonio side here, but you know, uh, like I said here, between Rafa, uh, Coach Canoe, and, and hopefully, you know, with one or two more guests here, we'll be able to cover the state and say, hey, these are the teams to kind of watch out for. Um, I know Rafa's got a lot of. Uh, um, experience, you know, down in, in South Texas here for that here. But uh, I'm looking forward to it to be able to kind of say, okay, hey, this section here, who's the team to beat, who's coming out, and who's going home disappointed here. So uh, please keep that in mind, you know, for Wednesday here. Like I said here, I know me and Rafa, you know, did kind of go through the brackets unofficially. And you can see some nice matchups that, that are going to be developing um, any final thoughts on the high schools, uh, Rafa, before we uh, move to the Royce segment with the, I think the whiteboard makes a return finally, uh, you know, to the, uh, you know, to the podcast. I just want to, like I said, wish all the teams in the playoffs, good luck, you know, and hopefully we have some state champions bringing back the gold, you know, back to San Antonio where, where, where it belongs, you know. Uh, I know we got one with with TMI, but I think we, we need some from the from the six A, five A, four A, and I think we have some teams that can, you know, I know the Dallas teams get all the the hoopla that they're unbeatable, but I think we have the talent talent here to beat some of those teams up there to bring back the state championship. So uh, playoffs start Thursday. I know, I know there were some Thursday games, so mm-hmm. if you have a chance, check them out. I think there's one game. I think like I think Lee was playing Thursday night. I think for their their open for the boys for so their opener. So, you know, cheer them on. Let's go. You know, go cheer them on if you have a chance to see some of these games. So, we're turning to the SAFC side here. We're uh, we're going to welcome back Royce here. Appreciate you hanging on here. Uh, San Antonio FC. Uh, you know, in my opinion, finally uh, released uh, the, <laughs> the schedule here. Yeah. Um, and they came out with uh, with the surprise, uh, the best little cup in Texas, uh, La Copetita. Uh, it's going to be a round robin with uh, SAFC, FC Dallas, Austin FC, and the Houston Dynamo. What makes this kind of unique? We don't play Houston. Instead, we play FC Dallas twice. Uh, you know, for that here, so. Uh, we played North Texas on March 20th, which we'll get to next. Uh, March 27th, so this uh, weekend here, uh, FC Dallas will make the return trip down. And we'll play at Toyota Field. And all of these matches, uh, unfortunately, are closed door. Uh, the following week, they'll go up to Toyota St- uh, Stadium. And then uh, the one where I'm probably a little bit discouraged uh, that it's closed door, but they're going to be traveling to uh, Austin FC uh, on April 10th, um, before they come home to face RGV uh, in the final tune-up. At this point, SAFC has not announced any fans will be able to attend. I know normally there's one for the season ticket members, um, but that has not been announced um, as of yet. So, Royce, thoughts on the preseason schedule? I think it's pretty exciting. Um Pretty cool, obviously, to play predominantly MLS teams. That's that's pretty uh, pretty cool. Um, obviously, Austin makes that definitely a possibility now. But um, unfortunately, we are not going to play the Dynamo because of a scheduling conflict. But as weird as it sounds, the winner, the Copita, um, 
is going to be has the best standings um, and uh, is OKC Energy is going to play the Dynamo play State, one of the spots and yeah, that result with... whatever happens in that result that those points get added to SAFC in the standings so which OKC has played um, Austin and Dallas and just let's just say it wasn't close <laughs> I, I heard uh, Frank Lopez our, our buddy Frankie um, yeah, I didn't know he was back with, but yeah, he scored. He scored a hell of a free kick uh, um, on the energies. Uh, you know, they, they showed the goal uh, for out here. It was it was it was an awesome free kick. Glad he's in the east. Yep, yep. Good on you, Frankie. Glad you're in the east. But the energy, at least their first two, their trip to uh, Texas, you know, was once again not very successful. Um, which I'm easy. not losing sleep on. You know, they're from. Yeah, Exactly. It's uh, by the way, it's uh, seven forty-one, and uh, Oklahoma still sucks. So there you go, <laughs> there you go fans. Um, yeah, I mean it's exciting. Uh, it's it's cool that they have this organization back. You know, previous years there was always a, a tournament here, a tournament there. I remember we went to a tournament in Phoenix. They always have tournaments in Florida. It's cool to see this. We can stay in Texas, and then everybody in Texas plays each other, which is. I support it. It's great. Hopefully, at some point, we can have fans in the stands. Maybe next year, uh, which would be make it even more just great. Um, let's go with great. Um, so, I think but, you're seeing a trend, though, at least for this year, that, and this isn't just MLS. This is MLS and USL. A lot of the friendlies are closed door, and I was listening to. I think it was. Um, it, it's uh, we're still seriously, COVID. yeah. Everything's gonna be everything's gonna be regionalized and it's gonna be closed doors because there's still a big risk out there. Yeah. Well, no, I think part of it had to do with like third degree uh, or third degree podcast up in Dallas was talking about why teams don't show it. So it's m one thing being closed doors, but then it's another thing to stream it for the fans. Mm -hmm. They were talking about the you know the cost to stream it. You know, even if it's you know you know two okay. or three you know cameras. The staff, you know, along those lines there. From a turnways, obviously you and I are turning in, but how many people are actually turning in to make it worthwhile to, uh, for that here? I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's a cost of streaming. I mean, there's Periscope, there's Facebook Live. You can do that for super cheap. The reason you don't stream it, two big reasons. Number one's a legal reason. You have a lot of trialists out there that aren't under contract, and if something happens to them, you know, there's that tape, there's there, all that it's and also if that trialist is trying out for that team but they also may want to try out for another team if that doesn't work it also goes against them and i'm sure the trialist agents don't want that footage getting, getting the tape out there yeah so yeah exactly so there's a lot of legal reasons why you don't film those why only at the very end of preseason you actually have you know fans in and that's when your roster is pretty much set it's the last one and if you notice there's two weeks between um, the last Copita competition mm -hmm. and RGB game. And who knows when opening day is going to be because that A hasn't been announced, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't been announced because they don't know when it's going to be. Uh, oh, just so, they have announced that it's between what, April 24th and May 1st. And I think SAFC's okay. mentioned May, May 1st is the first game. Now, the question is, is, you know, is it home or away? But yeah, I would. 
would would I, think that. Plus, I, I thought it was April twenty fourth all the way until like uh, May fifteenth or something like that was the range that they were working with. Yeah, but San Antonio's put out multiple tweets targeting that May first date. Okay. The other issue is if the Open Cup is played, which I want to say they have to come up this next week, saying whether it's going to be played or not. Right. Is that first game is scheduled that May fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere around there? So, yes, you you know we could theoretically have a game on Saturday, May first, and then turn around and have a second game midweek the following week. Yeah. Now, question is, as fans or not? I have to think there will be some fans just because, right? You know, COVID's not gone. Yeah despite some leadership in the state, but... Uh, I'll talk about that, yeah. But I do Don't think you're going to put people in. <laughs> Don't let it bog you down. Keep going, keep going. Soccer, let's go. <laughs> I so, know. I know. that's enough news on that before we get sidetracked here. Uh, we did have a win uh, uh, over North Texas 3-1. to one. Um, You know, according to the SAFC uh, communications team, Goals from Wright and Epps, uh, which they showed. Um, they teased the Torres uh, kick, but Distance. we have no idea because they won't show it. The secret weapon, man. It's a secret <laughs> weapon. You only show it off when you go to war. That's it. So, but uh, they did come out with the starting eleven. Uh, goalkeeper Carlos Mercado started. Defender Ethan Bryant. Defender mm-hmm. Axel Schorsberg. Liam Doyle and uh, Rocky Perez, uh, who is on a is a SAFC Pro Academy player. Midfield: Epps, PC, Lindley, uh, Emil uh, Suelo, and then up front: Justin Dillon, Santiago uh, Patino. Here, uh, substitutes used: uh, Leo Torres, Brad Dilly, also a Pro Academy player. Lima, Ollie Wright, Matthew Cardoni, uh, Fabrizio Bernal. Roman Holt, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, the last three are pro academy players. And, of course, Trialist 1 and Trialist 2, mm-hmm. you looked good out there uh, for here as, as far as our knowledge here. So we're going to start with you, Rafa. Your thoughts on the lineup? I'm sure that's probably maybe three-fourths the actual starting 11. Um, I don't think Mercado is going to be starting in the key, That'll be the beard. Uh, the surprise is Bryant playing defense. I think that's going to be his position too, though, I think. Which I think he might be the, the Lucas Vasquez of SAFC since they have <laughs> Vasquez playing up and on, on, on the wing and on, as a defender. Which, you know, for him, you know, maybe that was the position they were grooming him over there in Belgium. And, you know, being a soccer player, you should be able to play any position out there. So I'm sure Coach Marcina saw something and said, "Hey, you know, let's try him out here, and we'll take we'll see what he does in the preseason. And and if he came out successful for these games, we may be starting seeing him in the starting eleven. But I still think we need to do make a couple of signings for the defensive side for added depth because you never well, know. they hinted that they're going to bring in more yeah. depth, but it's a matter of." waiting for trials to play out, waiting for MLS to, to make their cuts and along those lines. So there is more depth coming, but, and, and maybe Royce can go into this a little bit more, but 
I think with the depth at midfield, moving him back to the fullback side uh, for that here, I, at least in my opinion, would give him more of an opportunity to play. Um, even if they do bring in, you know, some players to be able to play, you know, multiple ro roles in uh, Alan Marcina's system is going to be pivotal, I think, uh, for, you know, for him. Your thoughts on that, Royce? Uh, so, uh, where do I begin? So, first of all, with Ethan, um, if you watch his tape, if you watch his videos, mainly the ridiculous goal that he scored a couple years ago for SAFC where there's a cross, he hits a uh, one-time volley, sliding, hits the crossbar. That was right-footed. If you remember the um, the great assist he had to uh, Cesar Elizondo, by the way, Cesar, we miss you. Hope you're doing well. Um, the great assist he had uh, when everybody really started paying attention to him, um, that was a right-footed distribution that found Cesar in all sorts of space to score. Ethan Bryant seems to be very right-footed, so I'm very confident that he's playing right back, which is fine because we have a good left uh, a good left back in Connor Maloney who can do both. I will say, Connor Maloney, hope you're all right. I haven't heard from him. Um, didn't see him on the field, obviously. No, no cameras. You don't know if he's just there. Um, but, I mean, I hope he's all right. I would have expected him to have started on the left instead of uh, Rocky Perez, but I'm sure uh, Betis getting the first game. Exactly. It's the first game. I'm sure him getting some some game. Uh, so let's go to uh, the board. Let's bring out the whiteboard. So now the first thing that I've drawn here, let's see if I can get my way around here. This is last year's formation, and it is a 3-5-2 or the wingbacks can go back for a uh, three uh, for, to a five three two. Now the only difference between this formation uh, from last year and the formation this year is that this center center back is now the six. So they're just part of the midfield. So that guy moved up. This is PC, and that's the big difference there. And if you remember last season, the kind of the big. The, the, the big downfall against New Mexico United was that everybody pressed up. Nobody was in, there was a huge hole in the midfield and then you had the back line and then PC up to cover that. Well, I'm guessing Alan Marcina saw that he realizes the mistake. So now he's adding more numbers in the midfield and you have these two giant center backs. And if it's a good center back pairing, you don't need three. And you also have, you're supposed to have two quick, um, wingbacks come back and forth. So I think that's the thought for Al Marcina was instead of the center back that's here and we just have a line of three, bring that guy to be your six so you're more stout in midfield, which, like I said, was a really big issue against New Mexico United. Also, this is a very high-pressing formation. Another thing that this formation does is that the two forwards are normally pretty spread out. And with two spread out forwards, what you're going to get is you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones with defenders. So I think this formation is really, really in tune for a Jose Gallegos dribbling against or possibly a Leo Torres dribbling against if uh, Cuello and uh, Torres come up and Justin Dillon and Patino aren't on together. So who so, do you think's playing in the top three? I'm assuming Lindley, uh, Emil, and Epps. Uh, you know, where where so, do you see them playing right now? So right now, let me get a good pointer. I'm assuming Emil's the in the right. in the ten spot. Well, you know what? I have it written on the back. So, uh, so right now, uh, the uh, the light blue is the starting lineup. So you had Dylan and Patino up top uh, with Cuello as the ten in the middle. 
Then you had Epps uh, as the uh, the left side of number eight. You had Lindley as a right side of number eight. And this is where your goals came from was uh, here with these guys coming up and pressing and uh, getting free. And also uh, Lindley came off for right. And right also had a goal. So you had another goal from here. Uh, and then obviously PC as the six because PC is the man and he's the destroyer of all worlds. Then you had a uh, Perez and Diddley up here uh, as the left back. You had Ethan Bryant, who doesn't seem like he came off at all. Looks like he played all three. Maybe a trialist, a trialist came on possibly. And I'm pretty sure Holt is a center back. And I know Bernal. I'm pretty sure Bernal mm -hmm. was a center back. Yeah. Well. Mm -hmm. So they came on. And I erased that with my hand. But that's uh, Mercado and uh, Cardoni down here. Yeah, goalie we know. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of how that lined up. Uh, who knows where the trialists were? Could have been forwards. Uh, one of them could have been that kid from Brazil. Who knows? Uh, but this is kind of – oh, and then uh, on the third period, uh, uh, Quayle came off for uh, Torres. And Torres, mm -hmm. that wonderful strike from about 25 yards, which is about right there on the arch. So. You, can, you can actually see how they can switch it up to a 4-3-3 on the attack. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what it lines up is Quayle can come up and you can get a solid 4-3-3 and a – Pressing 4-3-3, just think Liverpool. They have a very high pressing 4-3-3, and that's what's made them successful. Um, and that was, like I said, that was one of the bigger downfalls with um, with last season and just toward the end was that you had too much attacking forward, you had not enough in the midfield, and then you had your defense in a big hole. And what the 4-diamond, the 4-4-2 diamond really does is it takes care of that because you're strong in the midfield. And that's what Marcino wants is strong in the midfield. It leaves you open a little bit on the wings, but we really didn't see a lot of attacking against our wings. It was mostly right in the middle. They'd take the ball away from um, either Pirano or Gallegos, and they'd go straight forward into PC. Um, so now we're just going to be strong in the middle. Let them cross. By the way, let them cross as much as they want because we have uh, six, two seven, giants, six yeah. five back there. We're fine. So, but do you, Royce, do you see maybe like with Ethan and also with um, with Connor, you know, uh, I mean with um, – Going up on the wings, yeah. And sure. a, a, a big, that's something we lacked last year. Is yeah. more outside that defense going into the attack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, the four four two diamond definitely does that. It just it picks a lot of triangles and a lot of places all over the place. So it it's made to to have give and goes out here on the wing with. Uh, so out here is going to be Lindley, and you're going to have Ethan Bryant, and they're going to interplay and then come up here to the forward. Same thing out here is it just gives you a good interplay, and these guys can overlap all they want back and forth. These guys can switch and overlap. That's really what it does uh, with the uh, with the the three five two of last year. That really didn't afford that because this guy just had to stay here the whole time. There's very little inter inter uh, changing, uh, very little. Uh, there's some giving and going. I mean, you saw Blake Smith getting forward a lot, um, but it's kind of difficult to do that. Um, but at the same rate, this really does give a lot of room to switch here because if this guy comes out and he comes out wide, well, you still have three in the middle. So even if you lose one, you still have three in the middle. On the other side, even if you lose one, you still got three in the middle. So you, it's strength in the midfield, and that's what uh, – Seems like that's what Marcina really is um, going to. Um, it's what he's implementing and what he's really uh, bringing forward and professing this season is strong in the middle, which 
That is one thing. I remember we were at a certain Christmas party in SAFC, and they said, I want us to be very strong in the middle, unlike other teams, and he walked away, but he agreed, and he shook his head. So, <laughs> yeah. Rafa, your thoughts on uh, on the lineup and the possible changes for this year? And it's one game. Yeah, um, exactly. This yeah. game could be Rain totally different, and we got to have a whole, you know, wipe it all, all through and redo a new one, but it's one game. I, th- I think with this game, it was more looking at maybe your 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 players, your your bench players, your depth, mm-hmm. see how they react. You know, giving them a, you know just in case if someone does go down, you know how the how would they react being in the starting lineup. Plus, you also want to see your new players that you brought in, uh, how they you know starting to get them a little you know familiar what they're you know as far as what what type of things they do in the field. Uh, what, what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. So normally, I, I think like the are the players that we that were came from last year, I think we're pretty much settled there. I think we already know what we we can do, what, what they can do on the field. I think it's getting the players that we just recently signed, see, get them accustomed to the system and so forth. I think they need more of the of the gelling, and I'm sure by by the second to last game you'll start to see the actual starting 11 take shape, you know, and then that final game you'll see, you know, say probably what we're going to see on the open, the opener against whoever we play with. But I guess it's, it's a good, you know, good, good way to evaluate what you have. And then we'll see, we'll see what, what we, if we do have to bring in some players, like I mentioned, Marcina mentioned, we might bring in some players probably after the MLS cutoff, you know, who's, who's available out there to bring in, see who can, you know, ex- you know, make our team a lot better or make our bench a lot better. So, you know, it's it's patience. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, I want to see so and so on the field." You got to have yeah, patience, Harry. Harry, it's patience. Yeah. Hey, this get the preseason <laughs> schedule came out. I'm all right. You know, I'm I'm good. It's, and now I'm moving on to USL. And hey, where's the schedule? USL, not you know, not SAFC. Come on. There you go. There you go. I, I'm not the one that's clamoring and you know for you know for. Preston and Luis to release another Beyond the Stripes. You know, that, that was you today, buddy. And then our old friend Jonathan Check, you I was, know. I was, I was, I was, throw, I was lobbing the softball. It's one <laughs> week since the release, and typically they, they hit the pitch. There you go. Here's your, It's not Behind the Stripes. That's the podcast. It's um, inside SAFC. But no, it's Beyond the Stripes. Beyond, beyond, uh, behind the Stripes is the podcast. Inside right. SAFC is the documentary they do. Well, I want the well, I want the the podcast back too. Okay, yeah, that too. Yeah, oh, well, that'd be nice. <laughs> we got because that's where you got the cool stories. Like you know, it was it Michael Hood's story, and you got you got a little bit more of the uh, background of the of the players, Steve, and, and Steve then Mac- of course Steve McCarthy's remains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that's what I you know I enjoy I enjoy that the you know the the production value and stuff yeah that's good yeah. but give me give me the stories about the players that 100%. way we can we can learn a little bit more about them exactly and we can get to know the new players which would be great because there seems like some fantastic personalities in the locker room again which they always get high character guys and it'd be great to hear from them and get to learn about them so final thoughts is going to be about a certain match coming up on March 24th uh USA U23s versus Mexico U23s. Um, to me, it's a pretty big match. Just anytime you play Mexico, uh, I think Mexico would be the favorite. Uh, I think you know going in, 
uh, for it here. I think they were the favorite going in. However, the United States uh, has not yielded a goal. Uh, thankfully, to you know David Ochoa in the first game because th there were some big gaffes that first game. Yeah. Uh, second you game championship against... champion David Ochoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thoughts on Mexico versus USA. We'll start with you, uh, Rafa, how, you know, cause I know you, you have some ties to Mexico with, with your, with your team, uh, and listening to the broadcast, I guess this is a very heavy laden, uh, Liga MX team, uh, you know, for that here thoughts on how the U S and Mexico shapes up and, and whether the U S has an opportunity to get the W, uh, to move forward. Uh, they better take care of our Cordova, our sniper from Club America, because he's been on a tear. He had a hat trick on the last game, so I don't, I haven't seen anybody, even in Liga MX, he's, he's been giving them a lot of like. He gave Chivas fits in that game. Uh, I think this what they're saying. A lot of the from the commentators from, uh, I know it was um, on FS1 and some of the Spanish ones. They say this team might be more talented than the team that won the gold medal against Brazil. Uh, for the Olympics or? For the Olympics. And even oh, also wow. the sub-23 team, which is shocking because that was a team with Vela, uh, Guzman, and and Gio. Mm -hmm. So they have high hopes for this team. And, you know, it's going to be a great game. You know, we'll see how this goes. But I, I, I think at, in the end, I, I do see maybe I do see Mexico and the U.S. advancing to the to the Olympics. I think those are your two favorites. Looking at the other teams, you know. The, yeah, Canada US, drew today, which hurt hurt them. Uh, Honduras and El Salvador, twenty fifth minute, still zero zero. The, but the yeah, I think talent is just there's a big gap between the U.S., Mexico, and the rest of Concacaf. So, well, yeah. Costa Rica's up there, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there's a there's a big gap right now, but you know it's going to be a fun game, and I, I think I think Mexico will win this probably two to one. Your thoughts, Royce, uh, on uh, U.S. Mexico, and then uh, obviously they're both going to advance, uh, you know, to it, you know, just yeah. because there's only one game left, um, but also possibly facing again. What's what next? Finals. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, I believe, is what it is. Uh, yeah, the 31st, uh, would be, so the 31st would be, and yeah, so then the, you know, um, April 4th, I believe would be the final, I think I heard is for here. So they'll play, uh, the 24th and then they'll play again on, I think the 31st. Or actually, no, maybe that's wrong. Oh, that's the summer Olympics. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's threw me off here. So, but yeah, it's well, supposedly this week and early next week uh, they'll they'll be knocking this out. Right. So, not to disappoint anybody, but the uh, the U.S. and Mexico game is not going to be full of starters. It's going to be a lot of back. It's going to be a lot of backup kids. Um, they just played two games and like, or six days. They're going to play another game and they got another game a week or so after that. But, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be backups. They're going to be protecting themselves because it. Because it's it doesn't matter the game. I mean, it matters, and it's Mexico versus U.S. It's a prize. It doesn't match, matter. It doesn't really. matter in the tournament because you still go to the semifinal, and whoever you play, you have to win that. Because just getting to the semifinal, you don't qualify. You have to win that semifinal, and when you do, then the top two teams advance, and whoever plays in the final 
the final is the final. It, that's for seeding. But yeah, the important game is the semifinal game, not the Mexico versus U.S., so you're not going to see the top teams, um, uh, the, the top lineups for both teams. Yeah, so – and I think this is where it gives you a weight. So they play the 24th, then, you know, the following day, the 25th, you know, the, you know, yep. the, uh, the other team. Uh, group B uh, finishes up. Then on the 28th, so Sunday, they'll play the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And basically, you win, you're in the Olympics. You Correct. lose, you go home. It's, it's as simple as that. So that would be the the big week to to have your guns. And like I said here, so you're uh, gonna rest your top players for Sunday, not for and, and what and how you kind of know they kind of make you know make a mockery of it a little bit. They put the final on Tuesday. Uh, you know, so two days after the semifinals, it's 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 not a mockery. It's scheduling because you have to you have to compact everything so much because everything was supposed to happen last year and it obviously couldn't. So it's everything's a time crunch. I mean, uh, weekend too. I think. Well, the reason why I say a mockery is because you're going to get your best teams on that Sunday. The final is probably going to be another. Your heavily rotated lineup because you know, yeah. obviously, all the money's in in that in those games on Sunday to be able to get to the Olympics. Because you know, would it be nice to win win the Concacaf? You know, region sure, but as long as you're in that final, that's really all that matters. You're going to Japan, yeah, or Tokyo. So, uh, but, but I know that's our final thoughts. But any other final thoughts that either either of the two of you have? Uh, there, there's there's something that we should say, but I'm I'm, I'm all I'm thinking of as SAFC right now. I'm excited for this weekend, and we'll see if there's any new signings pretty soon. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, man, uh, I, I guess I guess the one thing we should say is um, it's really disappointing to see what happened at the convention center with the. Uh, uh, with the women's uh, workout room and the weight room. Um, what about the gift bags? Everything. I mean, the meals. Do you see the meals? They're just yes. like they're they're not even frozen TV dinners. Like it's just, it's disappointing. And it's all on NCAA. The city should have stepped up and said something when they saw it, but it's not really in their jurisdiction. It's really on the NCAA. I mean, the people make, the organization makes billions of dollars, and you're going to do that to your top athletes it's and, and they're amateurs it, it, it shouldn't matter what revenue they bring in they're all amateurs they don't make any money it, so it shouldn't everybody should they have get an education royce do what they get an education royce it, that's what I'm, i mean that's what they get that everybody should be equal everybody should get the same i, I, thing. I know i know amateurs. Just... i i know but it's it's just disappointing ncaa step your game up it's slap on it, the face it's gross. It's gross. I, I'm mad because I'm in San Antonio, and a lot of these kids that are here to have a great at the time of their lives, they qualified. They're they're one of what's the basketball roster? Fifteen. They're sixty-four teams in, so that's twenty. That's six hundred and twenty kids. Um, Plus their, staff and their experience. Like yeah, their experience from this whole thing is going to be. It's more than six twenty. I, I did the math wrong. It's like nine twenty. But those kids memory from san antonio is going to be that like you you want san do you want them to go down the river walk if they can and experience the city and have a good time and that's their experience and that makes me mad and i'm really sorry to those kids and 
Uh, we hope that's not your experience from San Antonio. That's We hope that's not what you take away from this because that's not what we're all about. Rafa? I agree with that. You know, we should, uh, I guess, show a lot better hospitality because that's what San Antonio is. We're yeah. probably the best hospitality town in the yeah. U.S. So, yeah, and I and like I said, I do blame NCAA on that. And they need to know better than that. You know, to see a bunch of dumbbells is there. Like, come on. That's just like a dumbbell set you could have got at a garage sale and just taken it there. Like, some, let them reserve some a Planet Fitness for them instead. You know, if you didn't have space, hey, reach out to Planet Fitness. Say, hey, can we have yeah. some of our teams practice? You know, we'll, exactly. you know like, here or Goals Gym. You know, there's plenty of them here in San Antonio. Yeah. They could have done that. Yeah. But if they if there was no space so you know they got to think out of the box so you know shima on that and then i guess my, my final thing um just to say good luck to all those teams you know congratulations to all the teams that made the playoffs wow. one district uh can't wait for wednesday wednesday's gonna be fun i'm be excited like dkv so, <laughs> yeah, baby. yeah baby yeah i get to be chris fowler you know hey what about this and then just sit back and watch the fireworks uh, have a we'll see who's a who's a pretender who's a contender um and hopefully like i said i hopefully do get to see somebody lift that trophy you know right on the 17th of of, of april you know, bring, bring them back to san antonio because i'm already tired of dallas winning all the trophies like i think it's especially like on the football well, side Passels won a couple too uh, yeah, so let's, let's not too, forget yeah. about that yeah but Mostly lately, it's been all Dallas or some Houston. But you know, like I said, hopefully, one of our—I know one team one is out for redemption. And don't like I said, don't take them lightly. And I can see them lifting the trophy. But like I said, there's a, quite a few other ones that can do the same thing. So we'll we'll see who's our or Roberts this year as well. <laughs> who's the Cinderella? I got one more thought. One last thought. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, good luck to uh, Jose Gallegos in uh, in uh, Munich right yes. now. Um, I haven't, I've reached out to all the channels that I know to try to contact about any news on the situation. I haven't heard anything, but best of luck. We're excited. We're excited for you. Show them what we're all about, man. Bring us stars. So my final thought is as much as we get on, you know, Luis and Preston, <laughs> and the S, uh, social media uh, team here, they really do a, a, a great job, uh, you know, for that here. They're trying to keep us in the loop as, as much as, as they can. Um, I, I'm assuming if, if they had it their way, the information would be a little bit more easier. So uh, just keep in mind with preseason here, it's becoming more of a trend. Um, you know, as Royce mentioned here, that closed door, limited information it's not just us it's you know it's nisa teams it's usl teams it's mls teams you know along this this isn't the english premier league where everything's opened up and they tour you know different countries and bring in the fans to see it um you know for that here so just keep that in mind you know i know i'm probably you know battle that line a little bit here but i do always try to give you know preston and louise and, and, the, and the sa uh communications team you know kudos on there just for the fact that 
I do know that they do work hard. I do know that they listen and I do know that they pay attention to what's going on as well. So if you don't think that they're not seeing what's on there, you would be wrong. Uh, so just keep that in mind when you're posting stuff, you know, especially at this time of year, um, it gets a little frustrating being this close and yet still having a, a little bit of information, uh, you know, for it here. Uh, so just, you know, in, you know, just kind of, you know, reach out to them, give them encouragement, please, you know, communicate, respond, like tweet, you know, uh, for that here and engage with that because that, you know, you may not know this, but there are, the league looks at communications. There is, I think in the new CBA or not the CBA in the new, uh, agreement with USL engagement, fan attendance, uh, does come into how much money that you uh, that San Antonio FC can make uh, this year from them in, in the new new agreement from uh, the Papadakas. Uh, the more engaged teams may get a little bit more bump. Of course, we don't know the details and, and for that here, but that's been reported. Uh, I want to say that was uh, one second here. Uh, the Athletic reported uh, report reported that. So please, it's time to get back involved. Most likely, we will be you know, in attendance at games, you know, I don't know if it'll be a full stadium, half stadium, or, you know, what, what percentage full stadium, but I guarantee uh, this year, especially come playoff times, barring something major changing, uh, we're going to get back to, back to normal. Um, and hopefully fans will still turn out. Fans will engage, uh, you know, on the tweets and the stuff that Preston and them are turning out here. So that's my final thought. Uh, for that here, uh, do appreciate everybody that's turned in. Please tune in on Wednesday if you can. Like I said here, uh, Rafa and uh, Coach Canoe are going to go over the brackets, and we are trying to see if we can get somebody from the Valley and also somebody from you know the Houston area. Um, and we're trying to dig out a source up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, unfortunately, Scott, uh, you know, is not going to be able to do it because he hasn't been able to keep up due to uh, the move and some other things that have popped up. Uh, for out here, so I'm assuming next year he'll uh, he'll be uh, our our North Texas or our North Dallas, as as I called it, unfortunately, uh, for that here. So, <laughs> but thank you for turning in, and like I said, hope everybody has a wonderful week, and uh, we'll we'll see you next Monday.